0: Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast, brought to you by Twisted Tea and my bookie. I'm your host, Mike Braden. Go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, no cousin Shane on this episode. He will be back on the next episode. He was just unavailable today, but uh, so. In his absence, reached out to our good buddy, Zach Goodall, covers the Florida Gators for Sports Illustrated, all Gators. So this show's mainly going to be about that. Did want to get it out there. We've talked about this before. On Wednesday, we're going to go live right after the SEC schedule release show. I think the schedule, I'm pretty sure the schedule release show starts at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Central time. So as soon as it's over, so I'm guessing it's probably going to be eight o'clock Eastern, seven Central. Shane and I are going to be going live to discuss the 2024 SEC schedule release with Texas and Oklahoma included. So that's going to be a fun show Wednesday night. We'll be going live, and that's uh, you know that that's going to be a lot of fun when we do that one. Uh, only other thing here I wanted to make note of real quick around the SEC. Texas A&M, first time in a long time, probably since Scott Cochran jumped ship from uh, Alabama to Georgia. We got strength and conditioning news that is just very notable. Mike Hilko has hired his first strength and conditioning coach, and it's none other than Tommy Moffitt, LSU legend, was a strength and conditioning coach for uh, all the previous coaches, going back to Nick Saban, Les Miles, Coach O, and then when Brian Kelly got in there, he made uh, what was you know very unpopular decision at the time, at least locally, and went with his own guy. Now Tommy Moffitt back in the SEC as Texas A&M strength coach. LSU, of course, won three national championships under Tommy Moffitt. He's one of the most respected in the strength and conditioning world. So, mm. And I think you can make a case, LSU – particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Some of that toughness, some of that physicality seems to be lacking. What are we lacking always annually seemingly at Texas A&M? Of course, it got better. You know, maybe that's not quite fair, but certainly under Kevin Sumlin, they always always wilted in the fourth quarter. Not always the case under Jimbo Fisher. But regardless, I think this is a massive, massive hire for Texas A&M. One of the, that'll go under the radar for non- Diehard SEC fans that's going to pay dividends for the Aggies under Mike Elko. Tommy Moffitt, now a Texas A&M Aggie. And, uh, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on. These are the big moves I think Mike Elko had to make here in College Station. And so far, looks like uh, he's knocking it out of the park a couple weeks on the job. But all right, let's kick it over to our interview. Zach Goodall from Sports Illustrated All Gators. Okay, we're pleased to be joined by one of our favorites there, Zach Goodall from he covers the Florida Gators, of course, for all gators. And cousin Shane likes to call him the Jon Snow of the
1: SEC Media Beat. How's it going, Zach? Mike, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me. I love that. That that's such a grand compliment.
0: <laughs> well, hey, Jon Snow, everybody loves Jon Snow, even though he knows nothing, but you know all about the Florida Gators, and that's why we wanted to have you on. And, uh, you know, Zach, I was thinking about, you know, when I was preparing for this interview, I'm, and I'm just curious to get your thoughts. When you think of the Billy Napier era, what is the the defining trait of, of his time here in Gainesville? Because I struggle to come up with anything other than you know, kind of uh, miscues and mistakes and, and, you know, hype that's that's not delivered. And maybe that's not fair, but what what is your kind of defining characteristic of the Billy
1: Napier up to this point? So my eyes, when you asked that, totally widened because it's a fantastic question. I've not thought of it before. And like, there was a word that came to my mind that would get me in a lot of trouble with Florida fans and probably Florida if I said it. So like, I want to be fair too. That's why I'm not going to use the term dysfunctional because I've seen a lot of things that suggest there's not total dysfunction. I see a team that through this thick and thin, and I've only covered Florida for five years now. So in the seasons where things have gone poorly, I've seen teams quit. I've seen players stop putting in effort and I got to give it to Billy Napier. I never saw this team quit pretty tough. Like, Third consecutive losing season. First time Florida's done that since the 40s. I would anticipate anticipate some players giving up and quitting. And you had your one or two that left before the end of the season. Um, but for the most part, you, you saw players putting in effort. You saw guys sticking around, saying the right things when the going was tough, and, and that's got to be commended. So I think you can use the term dysfunction when you look at the issues that we've seen the consistent issues that we've seen uh, fundamentally on the field with penalties, with mishaps, like you said, miscues on the field, special teams, offensive line, complete regression. That's supposed to be a strength of this team with two offensive line coaches. Uh, Billy Napier is a superb run game coordinator as a play caller. So you, you would think offensive line wouldn't be a problem, but that's regressed. Defense, we don't even have to touch on. It's been a p- an issue for like five years, dating back to before the, uh, this coaching staff and and you could see ways that it continues to still be bad if not get worse so in recruiting i mean i think there's been so many positives in recruiting but you look at the events right now that that are coming with the team losing at the end of the year and, and obviously other schools are coming in maybe they're higher bidders maybe they're just more attractive but the bottom line is florida down the stretch has struggled to hold on to some of its top talents and they're still certainly threatened there. It makes you think of last year. Obviously, the situation was completely different. And I'm sorry, I know this is a tangent, but like, it starts with the Jaden Rashada thing last year. And even if that was unique in and of itself, we're we're here a year later. We're here with issues holding on to top commitments. At the end of the day, even if it's not the quarterback, if DJ Lagway, I I believe is firm, even though there's obvious interest elsewhere. But with that in mind, you, you still see at the end of the day, things that are continuing to plague this team as it tries to rebuild and get out of the depths of this rebuild, continuing to hurt them as we're entering year three. And I think that that's concerning. I'm glad you said that,
0: Zach, because I I wasn't thinking about this, but DJ Lagway, why, why is he so firm, do you think? Because, you know, he's I think it'd be one thing if he was, uh, you know, from Gainesville or or from the area, and he just, you know, grew up always wanting to be a Gator. Um, and, and there's there's reason. I think I, I was going to ask you about Graham Mertz. We'll get to that in a moment. But his progression, uh, you know, I, I didn't see it coming. And Anthony Richardson, number four overall pick in the draft, I didn't see that coming. So I think you could certainly make the case why a, an elite quarterback like Lagway would want to come for Billy Napier, but can you give us some insight into uh, why he's been so firm and, and why he's been the centerpiece of this class despite Florida's struggles?
1: Sure. And I mean, it's recruiting season. I'm I'm the type to never buy in 100% till pen meets paper. So could something change, sure, but DJ Lagway has been committed to Florida for a year and on the day we're recording this, I think 5 days. Um and I've met him a couple times. He he's not your traditional no, not traditional. I mean, recruiting's changed. That the traditional recruit these days are obviously way different than five years ago. But he's not the he's not the social media kid. He's not the one that's trying to play games with this. I, I think from the second he stepped onto the scene, and he's been helped by his father who played at Baylor and, and understands the game. Um, but he's really from the start wanted to find somewhere that seemingly was home to him, and that he knew he was not only going to be taken care of but that he had some sort of responsibility there uh, i think that's really important to him this from what i've learned from talking to his family to his trainer this kid's up at 3 30 in the morning to train it is a junior and now senior in high school that's how seriously he takes the game and florida sold that you know you can hit them on their record all they want or all you want in the things we've seen but another thing to commend billy napier for is i think he's been really honest with these recruits as they've come in he said yeah tearing it down and starting from scratch yeah there's gonna be some ugly football that's why we want you like there's a chance for you dj lagway to literally i mean since he was 16 years old he's been called the franchise quarterback of the future for florida and obviously talented enough to deserve that but florida's recruited him that way and i think that's meant a lot to him so as changes happen um there have been reports of Texas A&M obviously trying to rekindle interest. They are only like an hour, hour and a half away from where he lives in Willis, Texas, and they have a new head coach. So I'm sure the Lagway family will hear him out. Uh, I'm sure anyone will hear uh, Mike Elko out as he tries to get things going at Texas a and uh, I've just not been given anything to suggest that DJ is certainly considering leaving Florida. He, to this very point at least, seems totally bought in on, on being the future in Gainesville.
0: Mm-hmm. it's something you already alluded to just you know the the fact that the team's not quit and I, I think that is certainly fair uh but I, I swear I'm not trolling I'm, I'm a big troll Zach but I swear I'm not trolling when I say this but you know you lose your last five but at at no I was like more impressed with Florida e- each game you know what I mean and and I get it that's not the standard at Florida we're supposed to be competing for championships but uh you're right I mean they these are some of the best teams in the country, and they're going toe-to-toe with them, and a lot of them on the road. And, and again, I get it. They came up short in, in, a, in every meaningful game there at the end. But would that give Florida fans optimism? And and I'm seeing some of this that, you know, Eli Drickowitz, I mean, he didn't have a winning season, not not a one at Missouri. And now, big breakout year. I've, I've seen this comparison. Is there a reason for hope that, uh, that Billy and, and company – you know, it's, it's not apples to apples comparison, but year three could really take off. It could cause we're sort We're seeing the seeds of a, of a defining winning program here. Are would you
1: buy into that narrative? Yeah, to an extent um, I'm with you. Yeah. Especially that those games were on the road and it was happening at the end of the season. I, I would think that that shows some promise. And I know that there are a lot of reasons to be concerned. I'm not trying to sunshine pump for Florida fans. I, I've written all season. I tend to think I was one of the more negative writers on this beat when it came to just calling the bad football what it was. But again, like I saw the 2021 team, even last year, like there was obviously it's Billy Napier's team. He was still trying to get the roster flipped, but you could see last year by the Vanderbilt loss, there were guys that were just starting to check out and, uh, that's something that fans should, at a bare minimum, if they're going to get their hopes up about anything, if they're going to be realistic, understanding what's ahead. But if they're going to hold on to some hope, that's got to be at the top of the list. That that to me, especially in the day and age of where players are looking forward to getting those edits ready, entering the portal a week after, if not less, um, from that final game of the season, to see them bought in. Even these players that are entering the portal from Florida, we're giving it their all against Florida State, like. Trevor Etienne made the first start of his career, had a great game. We see where that is now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's something to hold on to. But then again, you know, to try and keep it realistic, too. I mean, yeah, Trevor Etienne is a perfect example. Someone that came in in that first Napier recruiting class, a prominent player here. I mean, even though he wasn't a starter and I think there were issues with his usage, I think that's in part why he's left. Um but it, it that's cause for concern in and of itself too. The, you gotta weigh the good and the bad and to see departures like him, uh let Prince Liuman Mielin. Now, granted, I expected him to be gone, but I expected him to go to the NFL. I didn't expect him to choose more development and not see Florida as the place for that to happen. So you really have to weigh the pros and the cons. But there's certain it's not a list entirely of cons. I truly believe that. hmm And but of course, that is uh, you know one of the the hottest topics,
0: if not the hottest in Gainesville, uh, Etn perhaps going to Georgia. Also seen some Alabama talk. Princely, I'm seeing him pop up. I just visited Old Miss, or or he's going to visit Old Miss. You know they they project right now, Zach. I don't think people may not be aware of this yet, but they're probably going to be a preseason top ten team in the country with with everyone they bring back. So um, it. Does, does that hurt Billy Napier that uh, if these guys stay in the SEC and, and and have big seasons next year?
1: You think so. I mean, he's done – part of his message, I think, has has really been, uh, you've got to let me get my guys and my systems in place. So if we're going to compare directly, for example, Trevor and Princely, I think Trevor hurts more. Even though I, Princely, to me – Way bigger loss than any Florida fan will tell you. You don't get rid of good pass rushers, especially when you can't rush the passer otherwise, and that's the situation Florida's in. But it's a Mullen guy. Again, someone that was anticipated to probably go to the NFL draft after a, a fairly good season that just doesn't get the attention it probably deserves because, again, Florida otherwise could not rush the passer. Um, but for Trevor Etienne to go, I, I I forget the exact number, but I'm almost positive that half of the – if not over half of the players that have entered the transfer portal uh, this off season from Florida are players that Napier brought in himself. So uh, that, that speaks a lot to this, to this direction. Uh, Even though there are positives to glean, even though there are things that you can hang your hat on players that came here to play specifically for Billy Napier and bought that message have decided, you know what? Maybe I need to try somewhere else, and, and certainly that, that's that got to be one of the biggest concerns that people have entering this offseason. It, it makes the transfer portal, and it makes the closing of this recruiting class so dire, because um, Florida's hung their hat on how young the team is, and yet how effective some of those young players were for all SEC freshmen. Um, and they're banking on those players taking a huge step next year and the roster in general getting older. That applies to Trevor Etienne's class, who would have been a junior, and all those players are either juniors or redshirt sophomores. Well, if you're losing a decent chunk of them from Napier's earlier recruiting class, guys that are expected to step up, all of a sudden you're a young team again next year. We've, we've got a long ways to go to see exactly how young that team is, but if we're blaming youth for a lot of Florida's fundamental communication, on-field issue last year because it was a young team it's it's going to get younger again that's just how it's going to be
0: right and, and that's so critical because we're we are going into year three and we are, we're sitting here wondering if Billy Napier is even the guy um how, how dangerous is that do you think Zach that um maybe a lot of youth on the field where uh again I mean up five and seven just ain't going to cut it I mean I mean he'll he'll be fired I would think it if they go five and seven again and and again that's that's an awful record for florida standard but even seven and five i mean it depends on who the seven are i guess but i mean they need a big season how, how dangerous is that going into the season perhaps with uh so much youth on the on the team
1: yeah it's dangerous especially when you look at that schedule and you know scott strickland the athletic director has put a lot of effort into beefing up florida's schedule and Three years ago when they were winning games, everyone loved that. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> it literally could be why Scott Strickland gets fired, if we think about it. But not fully, obviously, but if Florida does go 5-7 and seven this year, 4-8 and eight for that matter, if it's a team that doesn't improve beyond just very little bits marginally um, compared to this year, this schedule next year is absurd, even compared to this year, which was not an easy slate. Scott could have signed his own proverbial death warrant in that sense by lining up such – and, of course, it's coincidence. It's something that he would never have imagined at the time, and these are years in advance. But this is the year when Florida's schedule that he's been trying to put together and have on a year-in, year-out basis, this is when it really takes effect, and it's the judgment year for Billy Napier. When you pair that with how young they could be, it's it's just it's it is scary. It's dangerous, like you said.
0: And, and while you were talking, I pulled up uh, Ole Miss schedule for next season. And again, sorry to keep breaking. I'm not an Ole Miss hober by any beats. but um, no. y- yeah, this has leaked apparently. And, and again, this is they'll officially announce it Wednesday evening. But Ole Miss non conference: Zach Furman, MTSU, at Wake Forest, Georgia Southern. If I'm a Florida fan, I'm saying, why are not we playing these teams? We, you know, if Ole Miss is a top ten team, it's going to be not because of who they're playing non conference, but it, but it's certainly not going to hurt them because of, you got to go through the SEC gauntlet. So, just again, it's it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I think that's go, that could potentially bite Scott Strickland as well, like you're saying with with all this this gauntlet that we have to go through, and this is before we even get to a potentially a nine game SEC slate. Um. Again, it, it's rough, but I wanted to ask you. Th- there's been a lot of frustration, seemingly from Florida fans on on the lack of uh, portal recruitment, portal offers. Call it what you will. Uh, it, any information on that? Is it is it a roster number? Is it Billy Napier being deliberate? Like he, it seems like he is about everything. Because I I would make the case. You know, he's not nailed it on every portal edition, but you could make the case Florida has been as successful as anybody under Billy Napier, adding guys via the portal that have come in and contributed and been big time players the last couple of years. So uh, any thoughts on why seemingly they're not going portal heavy, at least the first week or so of the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. It goes back some time because I think he's hit on some portal guys, but also when you keep in mind, Osiris Torrance being the first big one, came from Louisiana, Montreal Johnson, another one. And there have been ones that were not Louisiana players, not na- easy ones for Napier. Graham Mertz, in hindsight, because I came on your show and said that I wasn't that confident in Graham Mertz just from three years. And I have to eat that because what an evaluation and what a coaching job. Like they truly got, I think, everything they could have out of Graham Mertz compared to what we've seen 32 games before that. But also, and I don't know if I said it on your show or I may have said it on another, but Uh, Before the season, I said there's a world in which Graham Mertz is Florida's best transfer, and I don't necessarily believe that to be a good thing because they took, I think, 12 or so, 10 transfers last year. That ended up being the case. He was far and away their best transfer. And the impacts of everyone else were so far below his that you, you kind of forget about it. Like Cam Jackson was a good player. Caleb Banks flashed in moments. But neither of them really produced enough to make an impact. We saw what the Florida defensive line looked like. They just fired the defensive line coach. Um, they brought in, I think, three linebacker transfers, and the only one that ended up being a starter filled in by like week 11 due to injuries. And he was a fine player, but like there wasn't that much going on. All of this is to say is I think they've been very hit or miss there. But you mentioned Billy Napier being deliberate. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Back in the spring, especially, was when this started to become apparent that they weren't necessarily rushing to get things done in the transfer portal. Myself and a couple of reporters actually went down to his speaking tour in Sarasota, and we sat down with him for about 10 minutes and we just we we talked to him about their pace. Um, And, and, you know, he didn't want to necessarily put it on the record as this. So I'm paraphrasing, but essentially they, they didn't host any visitors at all in the spring transfer portal window, that 15 day period. They set one up with, I believe his name is, and this is, forgive me for having a bad memory here, but the offensive tackle that went to Ohio State from San Diego State, I think Josh Simmons, um, and ended up being a starter. They scheduled a visit with him on like the first day of that portal window being open. But they set it for after the portal closed because they were afraid of the opportunity or of bringing in a player at a position that it would push players off of their roster into the portal. Josh Simmons never made it to Florida. He never took a visit. He ended up at Ohio State, ended up being a very good player there. And that same story has played out for Florida before. And ultimately, you have to be urgent. You have to have, and they say they scout weeks in advance before the portal opens, and they've got a little bit of a head start. But ultimately, it's the portal. It's impossible to be 100% caught up on. But you just got to be aggressive. You got to be more aggressive than they've been in the past um and in fairness this week they've hosted a few uh, i think they had four um four official visitors transfers this past weekend one of them was a juco prospect that they've been in with some time and he ended up committing brian taylor uh edge slash defensive line um but they're waiting on decisions from three more including joey slackman from penn one of the top portal guys um out there he was one of the visitors. Uh, I believe defensive back from Oregon, Triquees Bridges was another and DeAndre Jules from Pittsburgh. So time will tell if if they did enough to, to move the needle and and to pick up more effective transfers with urgency. But I think they at least deserve a little bit of credit for identifying four players, especially I would argue, um, three of them at big positions of need uh, to come in on this first weekend at the bare minimum, get visits. I mean, that's, compared to the spring window they just didn't need, they didn't do it at all so that's that's slight improvement at least
0: mm-hmm. quick little break from the show to remind you guys we're brought to you by my bookie head on over to mybookie.ag today and put in that promo code that s e c t h a t s e c over at mybookie online sportsbook. they're willing to give our audience a $200 exclusive cash bonus today to wager when these bowl games, NFL, NFL playoffs will be right around the corner. College football playoffs, all the sports they got you covered over at mybookie.ag today. And don't forget, most importantly, that promo code that SEC is the number one way to help support the show this football season. Head on over to mybookie.ag today. Put in that promo code that SEC. All new users get a free. $200 cash bonus just for signing up and using that promo code. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Don't forget the Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy Sports, the go to site for Daily Fantasy Sports, is none other than Prize Picks. And with that promo code SEC, they are willing to match your initial deposit up to $100. So you could have $200 in your Prize Picks account today with that promo code SEC. Help the podcast stay independent. I know football's winding down, but there's still lots of football action to get in on before it all comes to a sad, depressing end. Head on over to Picks promo code SEC, and that SEC over at mybookie.ag today. We don't ask for much. We just ask, take advantage of these sponsorship opportunities if you can afford to do it. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual, Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. The podcast is also brought to you by GameTime. Head on over to GameTime.co and use promo code ThatSECTHATSEC for $20 off your first purchase. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Game Time is the place for the last-minute ticket sales. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Head on over to GameTime.co. Snag tickets without the stress. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code that. SEC for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that SEC for 20 bucks off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And now back to the show. And in any insight, I believe they just hired a defensive backs coach, but the the slow movement there with uh with making those hires, with like you said, the early signing period is, is right around the corner. We're in the portal window already. Is it just you think all this stuff being thrown in at, at one time? Um, what what's going on there? Because I I see it from the fans we don't even have a bowl game. Well, why why don't we have a coach yet? But in, in fairness to Billy Napier, there's a lot going on right now. But um, uh, any well, and, and there may be more openings. That's I want to ask you about that, of course, here in, in just a second. But uh, any any reason why some of these uh, the hires are taken so well so long
1: yeah with the open positions one of them being filled yesterday and will harris from the chargers um i've not heard anything really legitimate about the defensive line position for what it's worth so i can just be completely honest i think it's 14 15 16 days removed from that not a I mean there have been some names that have been floated a lot of Florida fans bought that Ed Orgeron hype that I can like I've been told that there was no chance I think he's friends with Billy Napier maybe they caught up and like just shooting it but I don't think there was ever a thing um, that's probably a good thing for Florida <laughs> And I love Cocho <laughs> I love Cocho i I'm just thinking of the idea of like, wow, let's pretend things go as poorly as they could in 2024. You mean to tell me Billy Napier like purposely picked out the interim head coach that would replace him? I don't think so. Um, and there have been a couple other names, um, but the, st- nothing really solidified. Comparatively, Will Harris, it, it was like – three or four days after Corey Raymond was let go that it, it was already sounding like he'd be the guy he was following media players, coaches, recruits on Twitter, the within days, um, they just had to make it official with the chargers. And I think the chargers wanted to know that they weren't going to make it to the playoffs before they let any assistance leave. And obviously losing to Denver on Sunday and losing Justin Herbert kind of solidified that. So um, When it comes to Harris, you know, there's a little bit of, I don't want to call it a risk, because I think he's proven at the college level with what he did at Washington. uh, Brief coordinator experience, even here in the South, albeit at Georgia Southern. And and to go to the NFL, I mean, the Chargers secondary is not that good, but he directly oversaw the cornerbacks this year. Um, The cornerbacks were pretty solid. I mean, they're productive players. Asante Samuel, Mike Davis, even JC Jackson, before he was traded to New England, were, were making plays for that Chargers secondary. But this is the biggest assistant coaching position he's ever had. He's never recruited in the SEC or in the South, aside from, again, a year at Georgia Southern. Um, it's a risk compared to Corey Raymond, and I understand Florida fans have kind of turned there. They think that Corey Raymond may have been past his peak, um, and, and certainly Florida's defensive back play was nothing to to run home about. Um, it, it was certainly not good, but if we're banking on This is my counter logic. If we're banking on Florida's youthful team, these really young, promising players taking the next step uh, this upcoming season, the secondary is littered with Corey Raymond prospects that Florida fans are excited about. Jordan Castell and Bryce Thornton, the starting safety tandem as freshmen by the end of the year. Both were starting. Corey Raymond guys, promising looking players. Jordan Castell was one of the SEC All-Freshmen um cornerbacks jakeem jackson and dijon johnson are both promising top 100 top 150 players in the last class johnson flipping from ohio state uh jackson only has like a year and a half prior to florida of corner experience and he was making plays for florida at cornerback this year so sharif denson another one in the nickel who was playing by the end of the year these are all And I sound like I'm just going on a full Corey Raymond defense brigade here. And I understand. Is he in the room with you?
0: Is he in the room with you, Zach? No, 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 no,
1: no, no. He's all I mean by that is I hope this wasn't a short sighted decision because the unit doesn't look that good. I've seen that before. I've seen Tori and Gray get dismissed and replaced by someone who never should have been coaching at Florida. When in reality, it was the defensive coordinator who should have been fired that off season and Todd Grantham, um, Corey Raymond's got the reputation he has, obviously, for a reason. Um, And I I, I certainly hope that even if Will Harris is great, and I'm not trying to downplay him, but that Florida fans won't just be like, oh, this is entirely him when, again, like this entire potential starting secondary next year will be redshirt freshmen or sophomores recruited by Corey Raymond. Mm
0: -hmm. And and perhaps maybe, uh, and this is kind of what I was alluding to, Zach, but with, with no defensive line hire, I mean, there may be some other decisions that need to be made. A lot of Florida fans have been calling for an offensive coordinator hire. But, of course, you know, I think by the end of year, two, you could really say Billy Napier seems to have found his stride calling the offense. So maybe maybe we don't need that now. But uh, I don't know a, a single Florida fan that doesn't want a special teams coordinator. Uh, could you see either of those positions being filled this offseason by Billy Napier? I'm I'm
1: very curious because, yes, the the, the offense was moving, but I kind of disagree. I I think that Billy Napier would really benefit from an offensive coordinator, even removing my opinion of his offense from it just in the day and age of – I mean, you made the Eli Drinkwitz note earlier, and he gave up play calling to be an an SEC CEO head coach, as they're called – it worked out i mean like not to say that that's entirely why missouri is where it is now but i like to think that that definitely helped um and i think napier would certainly with the things that we've seen the operational issues elsewhere the recruiting mishaps um that have come along even with good recruiting he could benefit from having his attention truly being that uh, of a ceo um you know, again, I think that the numbers look good, but also I I really think Florida's passing offense was inflated last year by the idea that they were constantly playing from behind, uh, even against the the teams they shouldn't have been. Um, and I think the offense really only won them one game, that South Carolina game where they were in it till the end. I mean, it kept them in against Missouri, kept them in, albeit briefly, against LSU, but it wasn't, even though the defense is worthy of a lot of blame it wasn't good enough to over override defensive shortcomings to win games other than beating uh an underwhelming south carolina team that didn't meet its expectations for this year so you combine that with i mean some egregious fourth down play calls that are obviously nitpicking and, and i could see where florida fans are coming from um and i think that all things considered again napier would probably benefit from that but that would require a change in the entire lineup of this coaching staff. It likely requires you departing from your two offensive line coaching system requires you getting rid of Rob sale, most likely because he's the offensive coordinator now. And he's not, he's not play caller. That's just not, that's not his career resume. It would be a total surprise if he were made the play caller. Um, And and that's someone that's close to Napier. So this is ultimately a huge test. I I don't think that they're at risk of being fired uh, they being Rob sale and Darnell Stapleton or any coach that is out that their contract runs out on January 31st, for that matter. I don't think any of those coaches, Sands, Sean Spencer, obviously will be let go at this point. It would be more of a, we're not going to renew. It's time for you to look elsewhere. in which case we've got a month and a half to find out Uh, Rob sale is one of those coaches. Darnell Stapleton's another, I would think Chris couch, the special teams coordinator, quote unquote, because he's an analyst and not a real on-field coach. I would assume he was also on a two year deal. So if changes are to come, it, it will most most likely be, I would think, closer to when the deals expire and Napier quietly lines someone up. But if you want my personal opinion, I think <clears throat> I think special teams is way, way, way more likely than a change on offense because of the results that I'm sure Napier has convinced himself of um from twenty twenty three.
0: Yeah, and, and what's your confidence level as as the early signing period again right around the corner next week that the Gators can hold on to this elite class? I believe currently in the top five right now, but several of their key commits are are getting as as all are all commits. This is not unique to Florida or anything, but uh, they're getting courted by by many many suitors. What's your confidence level that they can they can keep this uh, elite class together and and by you know not fall further than than a couple spots?
1: I, it, I think it would be unwise of me to say that I'm fully confident just based on where we are and what we've seen in recent weeks. But the the calling card of this staff has been recruiting. The calling card of Billy Napier has been recruiting. So I like to think they should be able to keep the most of what's left. Now that we're past the losing. Now that we're like moving towards the, just the recruiting aspect, the NIL aspect, the what we know recruiting to be at this point, these guys have stuck through the bad. I would like to think that they can keep most of this together. Um, there are players to be concerned about, you know, obviously everyone is going to come after the quarterback, but like I was saying earlier, he's, he's shown me no reason to believe that he is, that he wants out. I think he's committed to helping, um, but there are concerns around Xavier Filsame, um, the safety from uh, McKinney, Texas. I know that he's supposed to be meeting with Florida this week, as well as taking a visit to Texas um their most recent five-star commitment lj mccray um seems locked in as well but he was considering a lot of powerhouses near the end um and i know he's visiting florida state and i believe took a visit to auburn or maybe i flipped the two so there's obviously reasons to be concerned but for now i i would certainly like to think and would probably put it at above 50 percent confidence level that they are able to keep what matters of this class the 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 A tier, so to speak, of this class intact.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, final question for you, Zach. Really appreciate your time. But what what do you need to see from Billy Napier next season? It just just to to have full confidence that we're going in the right direction. We got Graham Mertz back. That's that's huge. He continues to make strides. I think Florida is going to be one of the more Uh, underrated teams in the in the SEC next year we're we're all looking at the schedule we all looked at the schedule for Ole Miss again go back to Ole Miss but they played Bama and Georgia and I I realized they lost those two but a lot of people just wrote them off because they had to go to Athens and they won 10 games so just looking at the schedule is never a good way to evaluate a team but what what do you need to see at short of you know winning the SEC doing something crazy like that but what what do you need to see from the Gators to have fully full confidence that Billy Napier's the guy?
1: Yeah, I mean it it'll take a couple of things. <clears throat> it'll take in part um what we just talked about, keeping this class together through the end, um and building on top of it, making continuing to make adjustments to the transfer portal to really in addition to keeping this class together, put some cherries on top of it and, and build frankly a competent roster, uh, one that's ready to compete in year three, because the, the the kitty gloves are off. The honeymoon phase is well passed over. I think you have to have a winning record next year. Um, and with that, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, too. And I know that that's a cliche because who is Florida supposed to beat at this point when they're at where they are as a program? But there's tradition there. I mean, Florida fans aren't stupid. They, they know the teams. And, and teams that face Florida know their history against Florida. These games that Florida is quote-unquote supposed to win – they got to start pulling those off next year. Um and, and again all these things need to come together. The the keeping the class together, the portal tr- um the the additions from the portal being better than last, winning those games, um and, and personally I think making the adjustments to the coaching staff, the special teams and I think offensive coordinator it's a lot. It's a lot of change, especially for a coach that has been so adamant on, I trust my processes. This worked before. I'm going to make it work again, and I'm going to stick to it. It makes me think Billy's not going to make a ton of changes when all said and done. But I'm, I'm kind of at a point now where I think you need to make most of those in order to start winning those games you're supposed to win, to make the trajectory point upward.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, before you go, Zach, can you tell the audience how can they follow you and how can they find your work?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me on the last time I was here. I called it Twitter. So now X um, <laughs> at Zach with an H underscore Goodall, uh, Zach underscore Goodall. And all my written work is over at allgators.com.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Zach. I really appreciate it. And uh, hey, things will look up, buddy. It's it, This ain't the end of the world here, even though it may seem like an old Gator beat. You know what?
1: Yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> with you, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's uh it's not the end of the world for me because now i can finally go on vacation once we get through the signing period so <laughs> i'm means. looking forward to that
0: <laughs> all right just will say thanks again zach for joining the show tried to keep that um as positive as possible i realize things are bad right now but hey i've pegged florida as a team that could really surprise next season i really do think that i know it's looking bleak right now for the gators but uh Oh, of course, we, we're about to have this schedule least. Maybe that'll change by a bide, But uh, I sold. I'm not selling all my stock in Billy Napier and his Florida Gators program. But uh, we got all off season to hype them up because they don't have another football game because they make a bowl. All right, here I am talking myself out of the hype. But it is what it is. Gus and Shane and I will be back together on the next episode live again probably around 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, following the SEC schedule release. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.